Welcome back to Half the Battle. It's me, Daniel Levy, your host, and joining me now is the number one flyweight outside of the UFC. I'm talking about Jose Shorty Torres. Jose, welcome back to Half the Battle, man. I'm glad to be, uh, be back on. Thanks, man. Dude, it's my pleasure. Obviously, we're going to talk about your upcoming fight here in a sec, but... Man, you're one of the most analytical minds in the game, and you know, Ronda Rousey just fought Amanda Nunes. I really want to talk about that with you. Are you down to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Let's do it, man. So, firstly, before we talk about anything else, I know you saw that fight, right? Oh, definitely. Man, I mean, you know, I picked Amanda Nunes going into it, but I didn't know it was going to be like that. I didn't know it was going to be a 48-second stoppage. So for people who you have know, listened to my other podcasts and interviews, uh, I did a uh, all the fights I was roughly kind of accurate on when it came to the decisions, how they would go, all that stuff. The only fight I was horribly off was the Cruz and uh, Garbrandt fight, but the Amanda Nunes fight was the one that just was a hundred percent on. Again, Holly Holm showed the world that Ronda Rousey has no stand-up. You know she. She has enough to get her by so where she can clinch and throw and get into her, her judo jiu-jitsu game. But, but when it comes to people who know how to stand and bang like Holly Holm did, it's different. But now you have a girl, a woman named Amanda Nunes, who literally has, she's the John Lineker for women. And if she punches you once, you're out. And that's pretty much what she showed. I mean, they're making memes that, you know, a, a picture of CM Punk saying, ah, I last longer around the Rousey, which is horrible. <laughs> but, you know, it's... uh. Now it's it's horrible to see a champion go out like that because you know Ronda Rousey is a pioneer for women's MMA and she's done a lot not just for women's MMA but just overall and uh, you know it, it's it just shows that the sport is progressing very very fast. Jose, you know what it reminds me of, man? It really reminds me of uh, Hoist Gracie versus Matt Hughes, and what I mean by that is. I've always considered Ronda Rousey to be the hoist Gracie of the women's division. I mean, she was the first to do it. And, well, let me let me preface that because I know some people are going to be like, what about Gina Carano and Cyborg? And I, I, I'm talking about in the UFC. She brought it to the forefront. She brought it to the mainstream. But she would br uh, pretty much beat people in one way. You know, the judo throw to the armbar was unbelievable. It was kind of like back in the day with hoist Gracie. You know, he was wearing a gi and he's going up against dudes who, like, they got, you know, a boxing glove on one hand and nothing on the other, right? You're Right, Jose? And, uh, you know, he'd beat them in one way by tapping them out. So now, you know, the sport's evolved, and uh, this really reminded me of Matt Hughes versus Hoist Gracie. Yeah, and, and that's probably the best example you can bring up because Hoist Gracie, when he came in, you know, the first UFCs, no one knew what Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was or how effective it was, you know, compared to other martial arts, mainly on the ground. And it, it was just something new. No one knew about it. So when they're like, oh, you have my arm, oh, go ahead, take it. I don't care. I'm going to punch into, oh, what are you doing with my arm? And I don't know. They're tapping out. They have no choice or it's going to be broken or they're going to sleep because they're getting choked out. It's, it's a whole different sport. But now you, you wait a few years later where people start adapting to it and they go, oh, man, maybe I should start learning Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu too, pretty much like Matt Hughes did, called out Hoist Gracie. Hoist Gracie came back and he showed that Hoist had no stand-up, had no wrestling. All he had was Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And once he fought a guy that was able to hold his own against that, not saying that he was was better at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, he was just, at the time, good enough to defend what he needed to defend, you know, overall, it just showed that MMA is adapting as a sport, and for Ronda Rousey, like I said, she, I'm not saying her stand-up's horrible, because, I mean, she's knocked out people before, she's dropped people before, she's done well in the stand-up against other women that have been intermediate, or at least mediocre, or average at the time, 
on the stand-up game, and now all these women are learning boxing, they're learning how to strike, and learn how to throw proper haymakers, and they're knocking each other out. Holly Holmes has been able to do it. Now you have Amanda Nunes with the John Lineker of, of women's MMA. It's, it's, it's ridiculous, and you know people need to catch up, and it's, uh, it grows really, really fast. If you don't practice, you're going to get left behind. Man, and let me ask you your opinion on this. Is it a matter of Ronda Rousey digressing, or is it a matter of the sport passing her by? And what I mean by that is, so, you know, when she was on top of the game, you know, she was, uh, you know, she was at the top and everyone was catching up. But has everyone simply surpassed her and she stayed at the same level, or did she get worse? You know, what I think of it is, and, I, and this is not at all downgrading women whatsoever because I'm a small guy. You know, you see small guys, it's it's less TKOs and stuff like that. We usually go to decision or submission just because we don't have the power like the big guys or even the big women that can knock each other out. Um, so I speak for both just overall small people in general. The women's MMA, they didn't have enough power. or Even, uh, even before MMA started, they never practiced stand-up. It was more of, all right, we're women. The way we need to practice our self-defense was by grabbing somebody, using our body weight, using the science behind it. So jiu-jitsu, judo, all that stuff was beautiful for women, and that's what Ronda Rousey was able to shine at. Mainly if you see women's MMA when it first started, everyone was choking each other out, snapping arms, doing stuff like that. You never saw women TKOing each other unless it was more they just gave up or it was one really, really good shot that started to you know really affect them. But it was always submissions and stuff. So when you got a woman who's at the top of the world at jiu-jitsu, judo, and she's facing other women that go, hey, you know what, I'm going to test my skills against her, and they're just nowhere near her level – yeah, she's gonna she's gonna look fantastic, and pretty much that's how Hoist Gracie looked when he first started UFC. Uh, he looked fantastic because no one was able to compete with the jiu-jitsu game that he had. But then once started, people started to adapt it and going, oh man, maybe I should start standing up more, doing stuff that's different from what that person usually does. Holly Holm pointed it out; she has no stand-up, or at least she has uh, way less stand-up than Holly Holm did. Holly Holm was a professional boxer, world multiple world champion. And she showed her dominance in the feet, and Ronda Rousey had no defense to it because that's not her norm. That's something she's not used to. Amanda Nunes, same way. And women are starting to slowly adapt and starting to learn how to box, how to kickbox, how to do more time, perform stand-up so much more dominantly than what they were used to. I mean, I think the past few events, you've seen women just do nothing but stand-up fights. I haven't seen any women go for takedowns or even try to go down to the ground. You see Paige Van Zandt trying to be a stand-up battle. The karate hottie even trying to be a stand-up battle just so happened ended up on the ground because they clinched. You know, um, yeah, uh, Pennington, you know, wanting to do a stand-up battle. Misha Tate, a stand-up fighter, it just so happens she pushes and grinds people all the way eventually to the ground. You know, it's it's amazing how the sport's adapting for women, and they're easily catching up, and eventually I feel they're going to be even, if not pass up the men very fast. Definitely, man. And, you know, as you mentioned, Ronda was knocking a couple people out. You know, obviously she knocked out Betch Cohea. She knocked out Sarah McMahon. But certain of the flaws that Holly Holm and Amanda Nunez were able to uh, capitalize on, they were still there in those past wins that Ronda had. You know, for example, the fact that, you know, her, her stance is kind of square. Her chin is up in the air. You know, she doesn't bend her knees. You know, stuff like that. Now, let, let me ask you this. Do you think that's simply a fault on the coach or do you think that's you know just how Ronda fights when she gets in there because man look you know there there's so many people at so many gyms and you can have John Jones in the same gym as some shitty fighter right and they might be trained under the same people but you know that doesn't mean you're going to go out there and perform like John Jones every time yeah exactly I mean 
you know, I've trained at Jackson Winkle, one of the best gyms I've ever trained at. Again, they have bodies over bodies over bodies, but more than half those bodies are guys that uh, are coming in trying to be like John Jones, Dotson, Cup Swanson, and the rest of their famous, you know, superstars. But it's a process, you know. Not everyone at that gym is going to be, you know, if you go to SBG, not everyone's a Conor McGregor. There's only one Conor McGregor. Same thing when you go to, you know, Jack Swink. There's only one John Jones, Holly Holm, and so on. Um, but you got to train with the best to be the best. You know, the, the the phrase iron sharpen iron, it's true. You know, it's there's only one, and this is why I do like to travel and train. It doesn't matter if I'm facing or training with guys at my weight class. It, it's a sport. Eventually, I'll fight them anyways. It's business. It's not anything personal, but we, we all got to stick together. We all got to try to help each other grow in the sport. But yeah, if you don't stay still, you're going to be left behind. And a lot of people are blaming Ronda Rousey's coach. And I think it's a 50, 50 type of thing. You know, she has loyalty to her coach. I think that's awesome because I do have the same with, with mine, whether I, I lost the next 20 fights or won the next 20 fights, it's just, you know, I'm very loyal to my coach as well. As she is, but it's also the fact that you need to adapt and you need to travel. You need to train and get different looks because if you keep on doing the same thing, you're going to stay the same. I mean, you could be phenomenal but you're going to stay at the same level you're at while other people are trying new things. And whether it's, you know, good or good or bad for them, they're trying it and trying to improve their life and trying to improve their MMA game. And so far it's been working well for them, you know, Holly Holm and, and Amanda Nunes and soon to be other women, you know, eventually Amanda Nunes is going to lose her reign as champion. And you're going to see more and more women start to adapt to her and, and, and the champions after that. No doubt about it. Like I always say on every episode of the show, no one leaves this sport undefeated. I mean, everyone has to take that first loss, and everyone has to take that first UFC loss, especially. But real quick, man, I mean, do you think if she had trained with another coach that it would have made a difference? Because for me personally, I I think no matter what, she would have lost to Holm and Nunes, just based on how the styles match up. So to me, it's not like, you know, put her with a Master Hoffa or put her with Greg Jackson for a year and she's going to be a completely different person. I agree she can add things to her game, but certain things remain the same, man. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. You know, styles make fights and there's, you know, it's rock, paper, scissors. You know, Ronda Rousey was a rock. She was facing nothing but scissors. She was awesome. And then the paper comes out of nowhere and just surprises her, you know, something that she wasn't prepared for. And it's really just styles, you know. But the biggest thing, and it's funny because I was training at Dwayne Ludwig's uh, for TJ, getting prepared for his fight. And once Ronda lost, everyone's like, Dwayne Ludwig needs to train Ronda Rousey to get ready for stand-up, you know, which is, you know, which is awesome because Dwayne Ludwig's a fantastic stand-up coach. And that's something I'd highly recommend people to do. Again, it's every coach has their niche. You know, whether my coach, again, my coach trains everything, but he has his niche in judo and jiu-jitsu. That's just his, his best his best game. Even though he has boxing and all that stuff, that's just his best game. Dwayne Ludwig, he can he's tapped people down on the floor. He's put people to sleep, but his niche is the stand-up game. Every coach has their thing, and every coach has their, 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 their point to prove, and I believe getting different looks and taking different types of advice from those coaches is going to help a lot. I think if she... You know, to travel and train, mainly to stand up, uh, primarily boxing, if not even transition to Muay Thai or kickboxing, it would help because, again, she's already dominant in judo and jiu-jitsu. I'm not saying she can't get any better because you could always get better at that, but you're already one of the best in the world at that. Now let's try to transition and, and change up the game. I agree. But here, here's my thing with, you know, her potentially training with a guy like Bang. Let, let's bring up Bang. So 
What what Dwayne did for TJ is just unbelievable. I mean, you remember when TJ first started in the UFC, he was basically a wrestler with an overhand right. Now he's one of the most dynamic strikers in the game. So what I'm trying to figure out here is, I mean, if Ronda put in some time over there, what is she suddenly going to be a, you know, triple jabbing from the southpaw stand, slipping to the outside and throwing a head kick? It just doesn't seem to me like she's that type of person, man. You know, it, it doesn't, but that's, it's awesome because I can tell you this, and this is just out of personal experience. When I went to Dwayne's, the, this was the first ever gym I've ever felt this way. Um, and, and it's something I believe that's very, very special, mainly just not just Dwayne as a teacher, but Dwayne's school over, overall and the stuff he teaches. Um, is He does teach you know, both stances, continuing combinations, and being able to just keep on flowing instead of, you know, you throw a big overhand right, you step with your right foot, oh, now you got to reset and to, to attack or defend. It's just continuous flow, and I've never done that. You know, I've more just kind of winged it, see how it goes, and overall it's what, you know, worked pretty well for me. But when I got there, seeing the stuff TJ was doing, and just even practicing it, I felt like I was a white belt all over, and I felt like I just started when I was four years old, didn't know how to throw a punch, and I looked like a girl throwing a baseball. Like, you know, it's just that's how I felt. And overall, by the time I left a month later, I'm flowing, I'm getting everything in my black belt now. But overall, it's it, – it started to like click in my head, but it's every person has that coach that you just cling with. You know, for me, it's my coach, master Bob Shermer, but it's, you know, for Ronda Rousey wants to travel and train. She needs to find a coach that she can, you know, get in sync with and go, okay, you know, I can see your point of view. It works really well with me. Cause again, you know, Dwayne's a great coach, but like you said, it might not work for Ronda Rousey. You know, um, Craig Jackson's a great coach, but it might not work for Ronda Rousey or whomever. You know, it's whoever works for her. It could be, you know, Freddie Roach, for all we know. You know, just it's whatever works for her, and I hope she does travel out and train and uh, you know, get a different look because I, I would hate to see a champion go out the way she did. Definitely, no doubt about it. Now, I want to talk about some things, you know, outside of the cage uh, w- with her because, look, like, like we mentioned earlier, you know, no one escapes this game undefeated and everyone has to take that loss, but, you know, there, you can face defeat like a champion or you can face defeat like a journeyman, in my opinion. So, remember when Conor McGregor got choked out by Nate Diaz and that same night, he was at the press conference, he was completely humble, you know, he, 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 took, the, he took the loss like a man. When Dominic Cruz lost to Cody Garbrandt, that same night, he was at the press conference, he took the loss like a champion. He admitted it and was like, look, he was the better man, I'm going to grow from this. You know, he said all the right things. With Ronda, when, when she lost, man, I mean, you know, she, uh, you know, she's hiding her face at the airport. She, uh, you know, even on the weigh-in scale, you know how Joe Rogan asks a quick question and you, you, you're supposed to cut a quick promo, be like, you know, Thank you to the fans, you know, tomorrow I'm going to fuck this bitch up. Well, whatever, whatever. She could have said something like that, but she's like storming off the stage. Like, I I just don't understand that mindset, Jose. Now, you know, you're undefeated in pro MMA, but in your amateur career, you went 25 and one. So you faced defeat one time. When you faced defeat, I mean, were you, uh, were you fucking hiding your face at the airport, dude? (laughs) Well, it's funny. I I lost my very first fight against a a fighter that I definitely shouldn't have fought, but it was, it was just. I, I've learned in the sport, you know, I didn't join this to be a champion. You know, I, I joined the sport because it was fun. You know, anything I did as a kid or a child, I did it because it was fun. Once it wasn't fun anymore, I didn't do it anymore. Um, so for me, when I lost, I saw that as that's going to happen. You know, that's either you're going to win or you're going to learn. You know, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a blemish to your record. That's going to happen. But it's literally a growing experience, and that's how you have to take it. Ronda Rousey is, given we have completely different lifestyles, 
I wasn't always a champion. You know, I've had my struggle of, of losing, trying to trying to be better than the bigger kids, you know, and, and trying to catch up to them. But for her, she's always had a big head on her shoulders. She's always walked with her chest high. She's always been a winner. So when you're a winner all of your life and then you finally lose, you don't know how to react to it. You know, it's kind of like the common sense of, all right, I'm, I'm a mile away from my house. Okay, cool. I got to walk in this direction to go home. But if you don't have a map or you've never walked home before, you're lost. Even if you're a few blocks away, you don't know how to get home. You freak out, you panic, and you don't know what to do. It's the same thing for her. She's not used to it. She's never really been through it before. Mainly with this limelight, it's it's scary. You know, for her, it's it's a whole different experience. A lot of people don't understand that, that she's been the best in the world. And to finally say, in a sense, that she's a loser is, is heartbreaking for her. And, uh, you know, when she came on the Ellen DeGeneres show saying that, you know, she wanted to commit suicide, obviously it's not the, the funniest thing to hear. And then you're like, oh, God, really? You're just being a baby about it. Yeah, she could be. But it's, again, something she's not used to. And it's something that, you know, is slowly changing her life around. And, again, I'm hoping that, not saying she gets used to losing because I'd never like to see her lose again or be happy with it, but be able to take it more confidently like Cruz and Conor McGregor did and hopefully come back stronger. Yeah, man. It's just one of those things where it's like the reason I brought up Conor McGregor is because, you know, I could have brought up some other fighter, but Conor, you know, we can agree he's the biggest star in the sport. So, you know, he can probably relate since he's somewhat on that level, man. That's why I brought him up. But I can bring up guys that, you know, aren't making what Connor and Ronda are making. You know, like my buddy James Vick. So he faced defeat to Benil Dariush, and Dariush won via first-round knockout. Now, you know, James could have, you know, he could have hit, he could have did this and that. A month after that loss, he's on my show. We talked about the loss. It is what it is. And now he's back on the horse taking another fight next month. You know what I'm saying? So I, I feel like that's how champions face defeat. Yeah, and I believe they should. You know, for me, it's, you know, just my personal experience. It's been, at least for MMA, about almost five and a half years since I've, I've lost an MMA fight. And the reason why I took this fight with Pedro Nolbert is just because, you know, I'm not saying I want to lose, but I want that tough fight early in my career. You know, I had my first 15 minutes of my second fight, and uh, that was a fight I just didn't expect it to go that far. But it was nice to know that, one, I can go five minutes. Two, I can go a full 15 minutes. And three, I know I can push myself if it does get to that brink of wanting to give up or exhaustion or, man, this guy's not giving up, even though I'm hitting him with everything I have, you know. So, you know, with Pedro Nobre, I'm hoping that he brings the best out of me. I'm hoping it's not a one, two, or three-round hitter quitter. I want it to go all five rounds. I want it to be the toughest single fight. I want a child versus Swanson type of fight. You know, if it so happens that I lose, then I can look at the tape, see what I did wrong, and grow from it compared to, you know, just I lose and then, ah, oh, I don't want to be in the limelight anymore. I don't want to do this anymore, and I give up. That's, you know, I have a bunch of people looking up to me, and same thing with people looking up to Ronda Rousey, Conor McGregor, Cruz. If you give up, other people are going to want to give up as well because they go, man, this guy's famous, powerful. He was the top of the world, and he gave up once he lost. Well, I should just do the same thing too because I'm a, a average Joe Schmo, if you want to say you know, it's, I want to be a role model just like these guys, and I don't want to give up as well. So if I believe I can keep on going, then why can't you? A hundred percent, man. And, you know, a few other things, man. So, you know, a lot of the criticism that people were saying was that, you know, why wasn't she shooting for takedowns and this and that? And it's like, I got two responses to that. Number one, she was trying to clinch and get that judo throw, but Amanda, you know, she kept pushing off expertly. And number two, since when does Ronda Rousey go for singles and double legs? <laughs> you know what I mean? She never does. Her go-to takedown is the judo throw. 
Yeah, uh, actually, I believe from what I've heard in like past interviews, she does have knee problems, so she can't really shoot. Um, like she can't drop down to a knee and shoot. It does actually affect her and bother her. So that's why she's predominantly uh, a judo thrower. You know, she doesn't have to get down. She can box, get into a clinch, and throw. But when you have a girl who's just demolishing you in the stand up, and mainly even if you block it, it still hurts and affects you, and, and you know um, moves around your brain. It's it's hard to even think. You panic, and that's you know, it's pretty much what she did. You know, she put her hands out trying to, uh, it, it looked like she didn't know how to fight. And I believe Ronda Rousey has, I wouldn't say good stand-up, but I say enough to, to get her to win, like, you know, she did with other women. But when you got, not, you know, a woman who does nothing but go forward and strike, 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 no matter if she's getting hit in the face as well, it's it's hard to go against. You know, and that's why Ronda Rousey panicked and ended up getting knocked out. Is it fair to say that Ronda Rousey's fighting style is one of a bully? And what I mean by that is that you know when when she's the, you know when she's the hammer, watch out. But uh, when she's the nail, she does not react well at all. Um, I think that's exactly what it is. You know, you have you know I'm just going to use this as an example. Donald Cerrone, I believe, is a phenomenal fighter. I believe Donald Cerrone is one of the best forward-moving attacking fighters in the game. And, you know, you've seen not his last fight against Matt Brown, but the fight before that where he threw a beautiful combination, knocked the guy out easily, was because he was able to move forward and do his thing. But when he faced Matt Brown or even Javier Dos Anjos or Anthony Pettis, once he moved back, it just took him off his game. He wasn't used to it, and that's why he lost every one of those fights besides the Matt Brown one. Matt Brown was able, and I think Brown did so much better than what people expected because Brown was able to push forward, try to bully, and he bullied the bully, which freaked out Donald Cerrone. He, he almost lost that fight. That third round was pretty much that deciding factor and given he got the knockout. But the same thing with Ronda Rousey. Once she's moving back, I don't think she knows what to do. You know, and, and she panics and she's like, oh, wow, this is different. I'm so used to probably in practice, trilling, or in every single fight, just moving forward and winning because I'm Ronda Rousey and I'm the best. That's awesome, but now you got to practice moving backwards. And, and we see the last two fights, you get dominated when you move back because you don't know what to do. Now we got to change the game. Exactly. Like I've never seen, you know, her using her jab and the footwork, throwing in leg kicks. You know what I mean? I've never seen the full complete MMA performance from Ronda Rousey. I've only seen, you know, a quick domination to a, to an armbar type thing. You, you feel me on that, man? Like, do you think we'll ever see like a, you know, she circles, uses that jab, slips to the cross, mixes in a double leg. You, you know what? You know what I'm saying? Like a real MMA fight where she goes out there and like wins a decision. I would love to see that, but, and this is just, again, from experience, it takes, you know, months and years and, and just, you know, a very, very long time to really start flowing and transitioning compared to, you know, you look at Demetrius Johnson, that guy's one of the easily best in the game of, you know, moving around and doing everything possible. I think this guy's won in a fight in almost every single possible way you can think of, you know, because he's so elusive at, at changing the game up. I don't know if Ronda Rousey would be able to do that in her MMA game now. Yeah, she's still young, so hopefully she keeps on training, comes back at it, and we'll see where it goes. Yeah, so here, here's the final question with Ronda Rousey. Is it over? Um, I hope it's not over. I, I personally believe it's over in her head. Uh, you know, I, I, I know she has that mindset. She already kind of said she wants to retire if she does lose. Um, but again, she's a millionaire. She has a bunch of money. She's a very beautiful woman. She's a model, an actress. You know, she has a bunch of other business ventures that she can pursue. And 
she already has her legacy. No one's ever going to deny her what she's already accomplished. You know, for her getting her belt back, it's awesome, but it doesn't show a huge highlight, at least in my eyes. She's already done her thing, and for Holly Holm and Amanda Nunes to beat her has been because of her. You know, and that's that's the way I see it. All these women have been training all their lives to beat Ronda Rousey, and that they've she's giving them the opportunity to be the best in the world, which they are now. You know, so I think Ronda Rousey, um, I hope she comes back, but she doesn't need to. You know, then that's 100 percent her choice. You're right, my friend. And dude, were you surprised about that Cody Gar brand performance? Because for me, it's like, look, I knew the kid hit hard. I mean, look, if you can knock out Tomas Almeida. I know you're legit, but for me, it was kind of like, well, you know, he does kind of keep his uh, chin in the air a little bit, and a guy like Cruz could totally capitalize on that, but you know what, dude, Cody's not just some meathead brawler, man, I mean, he's technical, he thinks when he's in there, I was blown away by that performance, dude. Hey, that one completely caught me off guard, and the only reason I say that was because I I know Cody's a phenomenal fighter, I, I believe he can be a champion one day. I just didn't expect him to beat Cruz now. I'm not saying he would have never beat Cruz, just not at this point of his career. Again, he's facing guys knocking up stars, but he never faced anyone in the top five. And when you face a guy who's just been dominating, I thought he was, I wouldn't say easily, easily dominated, but I thought he was going to get schooled on just overall MMA. You know, you got a guy who's a boxer wrestler, that's great. When you got Cruz, that's nothing but a defensive fighter, knows how to move and transition so well. It changes the game, but the the reason why Cody won is that he made a very good defensive fighter be offensive. Cody never stepped forward. He was always moving back and determining his range, and that's why he won that fight. Didn't matter if he landed more shots, landed more significant shots, dropped the dropped crews or whatever. He was able to take him out of his game. Man, it was absolutely unbelievable. And one big thing that I noticed is, you know, when a lot of guys fight. Dominic Cruz, he gets them to bait, to bite on the feint so hard to the point where, you know, it's a paralysis by analysis. They have no idea what's about to come. And with yeah. uh, with Cody, he didn't bite on the feints even once, bro. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Cody was just 100 percent confident in, in his skills. You know, and that's that's awesome, and I'm glad uh, he did what he did. But we'll see how he does against uh, TJ. Again, they've been training parties before. They they both know what they do. So, yeah, that's, that's going to be very interesting to see how that goes. Yeah, and you mentioned that you did some work with TJ ahead of his fight with Lineker. And first first off, let me say that that night that TJ beat Lineker, I mean, that looked like a world champion. I don't think many people are going to beat the TJ that showed up at UFC 207, Jose. The way TJ fought, and again, he's 100% in the gym, whether you're going live, drilling, sparring, anything. <clears throat> Excuse me. But he, he's 100% in it to win it. And... You know, he's a guy that if he hurts his partners, you know, it's, hey, man, it's your fault for not moving or not defending yourself properly. Like, that's just how he is. But the way he trains, the way he was doing everything, mainly because I was his only sparring partner, you know, he, he paid me to be out there and help him because I was, in his eyes, uh, the best John Lineker look for him. It was it was awesome. And to see him progress throughout the training camp to slowly catch on to um, what I was doing to mimic Lineker, and how defending takedowns and trying to change the game for him, it he did so well. It's just the only thing that you know scared me was you know Lineker has that one shot power that anything could happen at any moment. But overall, TJ played the game he needed to and showed that he is still the champion and he's going to be the champion again. What was it like for you working with a guy like TJ? I mean, do you feel like that elevated your game to that next level? 
yeah, TJ, you know, the thing with Luck and me, I'm, I'm very game because he hurts a lot of his opponents. Just, again, just how the type of person he is. A lot of people don't like sparring with him because, again, he's, he's a game opponent, and if you're not ready for it, you're going to get hurt. Um, Luck and me, my rule is, you know, I'm going to hit you as hard as you hit me. So him and I were going back and forth, five rounds straight at, at Team Elevation. I'm also farm. You know, we're at 7,000 feet, and our conditioning was ridiculous. I mean, people literally stopped while they were sparring. Like, Neil, Neil Magny would stop and, like, look at TJ and I. And she's like, damn, you guys are, God, you guys are going hard. You know, <laughs> it, which is awesome. It's a huge compliment. But um, TJ and I were just going hard to where, you know, I the very last time I sparred with him, I went my three rounds with him, and he was going two more rounds with two other UFC guys, and he dropped one of them. And it was just bad, you know, and I, lucky me, I was out all out, and I was like, Dwayne, just put me in. Like, it doesn't help either of the guys. And I don't know, I'm 100% game for TJ, and I was there for him. No matter if, you know, he wanted to do personal training in the morning, night, like, I went to every single thing he needed, and I was 100% there for him. So it it was awesome to know that I could hold my own with the former bantamweight champion and one of the formerly best-ranked guys in the world. I mean, I believe he's ranked 15 right now, and soon to be probably in the top five pound for pound when he wins the belt again. So overall, I'm, I'm just happy I was able to hold my own. Again, I'm not in the UFC yet, and I'm only 3 0 as professional. So to be able to do that, um, and this is why I'm a little more confident about the fight because of this, if I'm able to put my put my pressure and uh, you know hold my own against a guy who does nothing but move around and is one of the best all ta- uh, attackers in the game, I'm pretty sure I'll do well against a guy who stands right in front of me and is not in the UFC. So, dude, how do you see uh, TJ versus Cody going down? TJ versus Cody, that's that's a different type of fight. You know, Cody has phenomenal, phenomenal boxing, but TJ is the, the veteran in this. He's been through it. He helped uh, Cody grow, and, uh, you know, he taught Cody a couple things. So, we'll, I believe right now, in a sense, it's like Master versus Grasshopper. You know, it's uh, TJ helps start him, and I feel like he knows enough to get the win. And I believe, I believe he's going to be able to transition enough and show Cody that he's great, but he's not up there yet with TJ. And, dude, speaking of your training partner, Neil Magny, I mean, that guy, you know, he's come such a long way. I don't know if you recall his stint on Tough, but from there to where he is now, you know, beating guys like Kelvin Gastelum, beating guys like Hector Lombard, and most recently beating Johnny Hendricks. Now, a lot of people thought that was a controversial decision. I didn't. And it's not just because I had a bet on Neil Magny. You know, I I know when my guys lose, but I thought he won. I'll tell you why. Because, man, you know, even though Johnny did get those takedowns, I mean, he was kind of stalling. He wasn't doing any damage. Whereas when Neil would go for those uh, triangle attempts, I mean, dude, he's hammering those those elbows from bottom, kind of like Anderson Silva did to Travis Luter. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's overall, I mean, I love both the guys. Both guys are awesome. They're phenomenal with me. Um, as much as I thought Johnny was going to win, if 100% Johnny did come out, which I didn't think that happened, Neil Magny did enough on his back, mainly with the two submission attempts, which I believe was the thing that lopsided and won him the round. Um, he did enough off his back to keep on going, and when it was on the feet, even though Neil didn't land any significant shots, he was the aggressor. He was the one pushing forward and throwing the strikes and, and really trying to to have a fight compared to Hendricks. Again, like you said, he would get the takedowns, which are awesome, but lay on him. If he got him on the fence, he would hold him there and just try to tire him out. So it, it happens. Before you go, you want to let them know when your fight is, how to watch it, and where to follow you? Yeah, for sure. Uh, please 
My fight is Tennessee 43, live on UFC Fight Pass, January 21st uh, in Coral Gables, Florida. Again, uh, I'm facing Pedro Nobre, a guy who's 18-2. I'm 3-0. It's prospect versus veteran main event. I'm extremely, extremely excited to defend my first ever championship belt as a professional. And uh, for people who want to follow me, Instagram, Jose Shorty Torres. Facebook, Jose Shorty Torres MMA. And Twitter, Shorty Torres 125. And lastly, if you want to support Team Shorty, visit JoseShortyTorres.com and uh, support. Again, I appreciate the support, and I wouldn't be here without any of you. So thank you so much. Shorty, you're the man. We'll speak soon, brother. Thanks, man. Sorry I had to go. All good. <laughs> Peace out, brother. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for checking out this very special edition of Half the Battle. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Best Fight Picks. Go to bestfightpicks.com for the plays. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.